here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.4 FM in Hermanus. You are on Life Happens with me, Nom Sam Zuli, on SAFM. Thank you so much for joining us. So on the 6th of June in 1994, British, US and Canadian forces invaded the coast of Normandy, northern France. The landings were the first stage of Operation Overlord and the invasion of Nazi-occupied Europe and also aimed to bring an end to World War II. By night time, around 156,000 Allied troops had arrived in Normandy despite challenging weather and fierce German defences. At the end of D-Day, the Allies had established a foothold in France and within 11 months, a Nazi Germany was defeated. And this day has now been called D-Day. But before we get into this discussion, let's listen to this mini documentary where some veterans share their memories of D-Day. And this is Curtis of the BBC. We got on the, uh, the craft on June the 2nd. We received a partial payment in French money. So we knew we were going to go to France. Where? We didn't find out until we were on the channel. We crossed the channel and I knew we were going to go in and face the, the enemy. And it was on my mind and now he says, well, Either I make it or I don't. The weather was really bad. Rough, very rough, very rainy, very cold. The pilot of the craft and his megaphone made several announcements saying that he was going to try to get his dry feet. The front went down and we jumped into the water. The water was up to our necks. We weren't the first troops. The infantry was first. We were the more to following the infantry and the bodies were all over the place. First thing I had in my mind was death. I was thinking about that. I didn't think I was going to come back because there was a lot of guys all around me. They were floating in the water. There was one kid. I looked down and, and there was uh, Michaels, his name was. And he's trying to talk and nothing is coming out. Uh, and he was, I made him out to say, help me. But things were so chaotic there, you couldn't help anybody. You had to get out of there. A group of four of us, we headed up and we go through a minefield. The whole area was mined. So as we traverse this high ground, um, I hear pop. And I, in my peripheral vision, I see this fellow to my left, uh, an explosion and him flying through the air. And I, I just kept going as fast as I could. We were lucky to, you know, inch up yard by yard. We fought on till um, three o'clock that morning. Yeah, we, we took a rest for, I think it was two hours. As soon as it started getting daylight, we, we took off again. And we defeated the Germans. Some were lucky and some weren't. It was on their mind, we had, we had to do what we had to do. And that's what we did. And I'll tell you one thing, the American guys did a good job. They were good soldiers. In 70 years, it seems almost like yesterday. I'm so proud to call myself a veteran. I, I really am. And I, I, I feel that uh, we were a big help to the whole world. 
So what you just heard there is a mini documentary about uh, some of the veterans who were sharing their memories of, of D-Day and uh, sharing how much of a difficult day it was for them. So this day took place in 1944 um, on this day. 75 years ago, I can put it that way. And we're now joined on the line by Vets University's International Relations Professor John Strimler. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a big day historically. It is a big day. I mean, I enjoyed history at school. And when I was preparing for this topic, geez, I came across such amazing aspects of, of this day. So, Professor, let's go back 75 years. So it's 1944, and it's been four years since the start of World War II. Germany had invaded France and was trying to take over all of Europe, including Britain. So you're getting Britain and U.S. soldiers that are trying to slow down Germany. Take us through how these allies managed to amass troops and also prepare for this invasion. Well, it's a it's a complicated and large story, and mm. I, I'm not sure I need to go into too many of the details. And, we'll fact, take it step by can't, step. Can't, can't remember them, you know. <laughs> you're, you're talking to someone who was, in fact, alive. Yeah. When, when I was only six, less than six months old mm. when the invasion occurred, and yeah. I grew up around um, veterans of World War II who were the parents of my schoolmates and friends with all these stories. Mm. And this is now being forgotten. There yes. are only 4% of the veterans of World War II in the American uh, uh, military still alive, mm. and uh, and 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 you can see the the um, the Queen is 93, and she was very active in the war effort, and so it's a moment to reflect on mm. what the significance historically was, but also of course South Africans were involved in World War II, as you know, yes. and even in the landing at Normandy. So. Mm. Um, Rather than, I mean, I'm happy to talk about specifics, but yeah. what would you like to, what do you think your listeners might like to hear about? Basically, I want to, um, I want to understand what led to that moment when the Allies decided that we are now going to invade Normandy and 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 and, and basically defeat the Germans. Well, they really didn't have any choice. Mm. They, they, the Russians were pressing from the the east, and and. Uh, they really did need to, to find a way to get the bridgehead into France. Yeah. And this was the largest amphibious uh, operation in history. It's been memorialized. Many of your listeners or some may have remembered uh, Spielberg's uh, Saving Private Ryan, which mm. is a great um, and, and fairly historically accurate dramatization of the landing there were about 176,000 troops involved, which mm. is a substantial amount with, I don't know, 7,000 landing craft and yeah. 10,000 aircraft providing backup support. The weather was very unpredictable and yes. difficult to, uh, to, to uh, adjust to. And there were, there were some hair-raising moments in the whole mm. thing, but the, 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 the operation was necessary in order to establish a front um, on the coast and going into France and Belgium to press the Germans, and it took another year before VE Day uh, in May of uh, 1945. So it, it, it was a turning point. Mm. Um, we'll never see it again, mm. I pray to God, and I don't think there's much chance that we'll see it again. But what does disturb me a great deal mm. these days is that people forget 
uh, the horrors uh, of, yes. of those two those two world wars, mm. and they throw around a lot of uh, nationalist sentiment that's evocative of some of the factors that led to the war in the first instance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm just wondering, you know, also um, still on that day that. France has so many ports, and was there um, any significant reason in terms of why they chose um, the Normandy beaches? I, I think it was uh, very much a, a logistics. Um, where could you get the landing craft dispersed? Mm-hmm. It was very harrowing and dangerous. 4,000 people died that day uh, on the invading forces, and, mm-hmm. and uh, the, 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 they, they tried to deflect. They had penetrated German intelligence, and tried to deflect attention from the Normandy beach mm. and did a feint so that the Germans may have thought that they were coming in another direction. Uh. And nevertheless, uh, it, it, uh, it, it was a very bold uh, undertaking. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the scale of the operation being untested before mm. really uh, put a lot of pressure on Eisenhower, who was commander-in-chief of the forces, yes. but they pulled it off. And uh, are the world's a better place as a result. Okay, so their aim and the base, obviously, uh, blindsided Germany as well. Mm-hmm. But you also spoke about the weather that day. I mean, um, we heard from the veterans it was very bad. Do you think that um, that also blindsided Germany as well? I mean, looking at the rough seas, they probably thought um, it was not coming today. Well, you know, you never know in, in, in war and in life. Uh, one damn thing after another, as Toynbee said about history. Yeah. Uh, but but in, in this case, um, the forces arrayed against um, uh, Germany and its imperial expansion. Mm. And I want to stress again, I, don't, I think we're beyond the age of imperialism, sure. but we are certainly in the age when we have to figure out ways to consolidate the kind of cooperation that emerged with the founding of the United Nations Mm-hmm. Um, and the multilateral arrangements that are so important to South Africa that are under siege by the likes of um, of nationalist politics, whether it's it's Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump or the mess in Britain right now. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, yeah. the two countries that were so instrumental in in carrying out the Normandy invasion, mm-hmm. Britain and the United States, are both in constitutional political crises, and their leaders seem to be abandoning. Uh, the very structures and arrangements that helped preserve the peace since 1945. Professor, I want to talk to you more about this, but uh, let's take a break and then we can, uh, we'll uh, continue with this conversation about D-Day and also about the current um, international relations, also looking at the U.S., as you said, and the mess with Brexit in the U.K. as well, all happening after the break. Stay with us. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Hashtag SAFM Life Happens. This is Life Happens. We are talking about an event that took place 75 years ago, known as D-Day. And on the line is Wits University's International Relations Professor, John Strimlau. Prof, I want to talk about, so the the Allies obviously um, attacked and they gained victory. And why do you think this particular event was the turning point for World War II and also in our history? Well, it, it was a turning point in that it set up the Second Front, which was essential for bringing down the German uh, fascist regime. Uh, I, I think why it, it, it is that the whole struggle was important was mm-hmm. that it did seem to cure Europe of the 
uh, scourge of war. It's impossible to imagine Europeans going to war again against each other as they did in the two worst uh, human-caused human catastrophes of history. Uh, and, but then also, don't, don't forget that we've come a long way yeah. since, um, since World War II on a variety of fronts. Uh, South Africans debated very fiercely getting into World War II, as you probably know much better than I, when mm -hmm. Prime Minister Herzog, um, representing Afrikaner pro-neutralist sentiment, was overpowered by Jan Smuts in the United Party of those days. And uh, Smuts prevailed and became prime minister and took a very instrumental role. And 334,000 South Africans played a significant role oh, yeah. in the general World War II, primarily mm -hmm. in North Africa, but also guaranteeing the Cape of Good Hope. These were all important contributions, but at the same time, of course, um, it was not just whites. It was There were 77,000 blacks and 46,000 colored fighting, uh, but not allowed to, to fight with, with weapons because of the segregation in the U.S. Yeah. Was yeah. Segregated and, some of them army. Would... and we've come, you know, in terms of human equality mm. uh, and prosperity a long way um, in the last 75 years, but uh, a lot more work has to be done. Yeah, yeah. And just the current state with, I mean, I've tried to follow Brexit and the developments around it. And I've just, I've just, I've just lost it. What is happening? What is the current state of politics in the UK at the moment? Just briefly, Professor. They're a mess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and, and you, you captured it right. There's none of us who can, can, can with confidence uh, predict what is going to happen mm. in the factions. Uh, you know, Boris Johnson emerges as the prime minister. Mm. That's going to be a very provocative step. Uh, whether or not they have another, re you know, resolution of uh, another referendum uh, is is an open question. Um, but I think some sort of uh, disengagement by Britain of the European Union is in the cards. Mm -hmm. I just think it's very unfortunate, and it's a reminder. Uh, and, and, and South Africans, I think, know this very well. You have to deliberate important matters of public policy, not just throw up a referendum without briefing exactly. the public and the Republicans. <laughs> yes, off. yeah. Um, and I wish we had time to also talk about what is happening with the U.S. president and war of words taking place between him and, and China and also other countries in the world as well. That, I think, can also be described as an absolute mess. <laughs> Professor, ab ab Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he and his family had a nice time with the Queen, but you saw the demonstrations against him in downtown London, which she said was fake news. Anyway, it goes on and on, that yeah. saga. But, um, but it's important to, to remember that the post-World War, post War II era mm. uh, brought stability and prosperity to the world. And I think South Africa, and it helped bring about the end of apartheid down mm. here, I think South Africa should take the very active role in going forward. And I was, I was impressed by Nalandi Pandor's. Uh, opening statement yeah. to the to the Dirko just to, yesterday, I guess, and so I, I think there's some reason for hope. Yeah, and obviously, so many people had to sacrifice their lives for for this to happen. Professor, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your insight and your knowledge about world history and also the current politics. That's Professor John Strimlau. He's a Wurz University International Relations uh, professor, and uh, we've been talking about D-Day and also the current state of politics, more especially in the UK and the US.